Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. Amen. Again, so good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I am going to do something a little bit different. I'm not going to throw our projection people off. It's actually my daughter, so I'm not bothered too bad about it. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to uh, speak what I had planned. I'm going to go a different direction this morning. And so I want you to go with me to the book of John. So if you have uh, your Bible or, uh, or Bible app, and uh, I, I want you to go there uh, with me this morning. So I'm going to move, move this over, make myself really nervous. And um, I want to just kind of uh, start with this thought this morning. I've recently read, and uh, sometimes pastors need the, um, the luxury of uh, just being able to share from their heart. And so this is just one of those times, I guess, I'm going to do it. I had this conversation with the Lord about 2 a.m., and I said, man, this, this is just uh, kind of what I'm feeling for in, in the morning. And it's just as the morning has gone on and the, and the busyness has kind of waved through the building, I still feel drawn to that 2 a.m. conversation. So I'm going to have that. I don't, I don't want that to set it up that I'm about to just say something extremely intelligent today. Um, but um, I do want to just share from my heart to the, the church today. It's a very special week. Um, obviously, um, this is the uh, one of the two big ones for the year, and um, so it's always a great time of reflection and meditation on the goodness of God and the Savior of the world. This week, I read that uh, New York University just did a, a, a neat study, and uh, the study was this. They had two groups, and they put them in different rooms, of course, and they gave them a word search. And the word search in one of them was words of activity. And it was words of, um, this may not be the right word, but it's of, of youthfulness. So it had words like, like um, energy and sprite and positivity, and that was kind of the words. And so they spent an hour trying to find the words, and they, they were whiteboarding them as, as they found them. And the other group had, had words that were more driven around fatigue, and so it had words like aging and soreness and sleepy and fatigue and so on. And at the end, when they just could not find any more words, um, the instructor came in and said, okay, here's the last part to this research project. What I want you to do is go down the hill. It's about a mile there. And uh, there's going to be somebody down there waiting to give you what, what, what we promised you for participating in the research group. So the, tr- the two groups start to walk down there. And as you can imagine, the one that had all the words on energy and youthfulness and being sprite got there almost twice as fast as the group that read about fatigue and lack of energy and being sleepy. And so the importance was this, words mean something, and they affect you in a, in a physical way. They affect the mind, they affect the body, they affect the soul, they affect the spirit, 
And I believe that there is a theme or at least a hard address in the Word of God about words and them falling into a good place that either uh, bring life or that it falls into good soil. And from there, it just produces um, an incredible harvest. And so today, I want us to go into the Word with that mentality that what we're about to read right now in Scripture can be a very powerful thing to you. And if you're that person right now who's here on the 18th of December because this is your normal trip into church, this is going to be a great reminder for you about the love of God over your life. And so I'm thankful that you're here. And um, for those of us that make church uh, a weekly event, we're thankful that you're here today. And so uh, I just want to welcome you, and I want you to go with me to John chapter 3. And let's read two of the most famous verses in Scripture today. Okay, let's go John three sixteen, and I'm going to read verse 17 as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you are here today and you've walked in with some condemnation or some judgment uh, issues or some guilt, I want us to also read verse 17 because it's specifically for you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, might be saved. So when we look at this verse, the context of John is that this is a culture that is extremely um, challenged. They have a lot of violence. There's a lot of turmoil. The Roman Empire is in full swing. Um, so for them, on the daily, there is fear and anxiety, and worry. It's also an extremely religious community. If you think the one that we're living in is religious, we don't have anything on what was happening in these Mediterranean cities. So as religious teachers and rabbis were coming forward and saying, well, this is how you should live your life, it came with a lot of religiosity. It came with a lot of things that felt impossible, and they would continue to feel impossible if you and I were living in that same day and time. So it's a lot of, it came with a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of things like, well, I've already missed the mark. Something like, how hard should I really try to serve God? Because um, my life has already been just a, a cesspool of poor decisions and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even a Jew, I'm a Gentile, I'm on the outside, I'm looking in the window, just maybe crossing my fingers, hoping that I might be able to get in there. And so John is saying, listen, here's the real context. And he's telling the story for the very first time to audiences who have never heard the gospel, which is good news. And so I, I will tell you this, if you're here today and you believe a gospel that is not good, it's not the gospel. 
So if you're filling your heart with condemnation and judgment and shame and guilt and you're trying to stamp Jesus on it, that's not the gospel. It may be the gospel according to your conscience. It may be the gospel according to uh, you pointing the finger at yourself or other people, but it's not the good news. And so John was one of these early proclaimers of good news, like, hey, listen, I know the culture's tough. And he's like, and I know, I know this is a religious community, and I know that that comes with a long list of, of law and rules and things and checkboxes and all the things that make you feel impossible. But he's like, what I want you to do is listen up and hear the good news. And he gives us this incredible scripture that we teach our children at very young ages. And he says this, for God. I love the way he starts it. Anytime I see this theme in scripture, uh, I, I, I perk up because it means something to me when the statement or the principle or the value starts with God. It, it means that I haven't conjured it. It means it's not philosophy. It means that it's not influenced by the greatest thinkers of their time. It means that, that God said something, did something. He started a sentence. He started a principle, and it began with him, and I love it. And if you need some reference, you can go to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. I mean, isn't that good news? So he says, in the beginning, God, if you need a New Testament reference, go two pages back to John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and was with God. He's saying, so in, in the beginning, from the very start, there was God. And we struggle with it because God is not in our chronological time. He's in what's called kahiros, which is eternal time. And that means he sees all of it in one glance. How does he do it? Because he's God. And why don't we understand it? Because we're not God. And so for God, and I love this next part, so loved Okay, I'm, I'm glad that the word so is before it because it shows emphasis. You ever notice that? It's like when you're looking at, at, at your kid and you want to go the extra mile, you say, that is so good, right? You look so beautiful. He says, for God so loved. And I like this word love, and we've actually built now the the deepest emotion that we can express to each other is that word. And I think we have built it off of this because the Father communicated it first. So as he says, hey, I, I've loved you, we've taken that and we've expressed that to other people. And I'm thankful that it, that it doesn't say, so God thought about the world. Or God liked the world. Or God was excited about the world. It says he loved it. Now, if you don't think there's a difference between like and love, let me give you an exercise. Tonight, when your spouse is about to roll over and go to sleep, and she looks at you and she says, Good night, babe. I love you. I want you to take a deep breath and go, I like you a lot. And then just write down what happens, okay? Um, you may want to video it and send it to me. I would have a lot of fun with that. Because now sleepy time is over, okay? And the lights are going to come on, and your lights are probably going to go out, okay? 
There's a huge difference between like and love. Can I get an amen? Okay. And he says, so for God so loved, and he communicates it this way, the world. Man, he just broadens it. And again, my 2 a.m. conversation in my mind as I was just kind of mulling this over with God this morning was this. You know, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm world's worst at this myself because I'm, I'm westernized. And so I can't read this for God so loved the Western Hemisphere. It's the world. And I want you to think about this. And sometimes this is difficult. It's a difficult challenge because we have to think about, well, what does that mean? Well, it's every single person who's ever lived. It's vast. It's big. Every baby, every color, every culture, every ethnicity. And honestly, this is what the church should look like. Every culture, every ethnicity, every background, because he's saying, I loved it all. And I, I'm expressing that to you. God so loved the world, all of it, even the ugly stuff. You know, it's easy to preach about Mother Teresa and people of influence who gave their whole life to sit in the dirt and just minister to people. It's easy to brag on them. But then when you turn around and you add the, the horrible people that have shaped history with hands of violence and decisions that annihilated people. And here's, here it is. Here's this tough. God loved them too. And it's, it's hard for us in an intellectual culture where we get a bird's eye view to history and access to resource. There's nothing you cannot find on Google. Every conversation at our house ends with Robbie Googling it to make sure I'm accurate. I can say anything, and it, it doesn't matter. I've given her my resume before and said, I think I know, may, maybe this I know about. She's like, no, I'm going to double check with Google. Just sit tight a minute, and I'll, I'll get back to you. We have information like, like crazy, and so it's easy for us to think we've got our minds wrapped around history and what, what, it, what the world would really mean. But I think today, going into this very special week, it's important for us to go, hey, um, what does that really mean? Like to pause and go, we're talking about every person who ever came before us for thousands of years. Even cultures that we don't even know existed, that were in some little place in the middle of nowhere who may have lived for hundreds of years together, isolated, um, having families, living life. God saw them, and he loved them. It says, for God so loved the world that he, what? Come on. Gave. Yeah, gave. He gave it. This is an incredible principle. It's why your tree right now is covered in presents or about to be. It's why sometimes you put yourself in a, in, a, in a bad spot even this time of year. People will overspend because they want to make sure that people who they love feel loved through a gift, through an item, through an object, through something that, that they wanted. And so God is saying, because I love you, stay, stay with me, I'm going to mobilize that emotion. I'm not just going to tell you about it. I'm going to do something about it. 
It would be enough for me to tell you, to talk it out, to try and and just keep verbalizing it and tell the story, but I'm going to do much more than that. I'm going to give you something that is extremely important. The most incredible gift that any of you could ever receive And it's not something that rusts or fades or can be sold or bartered for or stacked into an attic someday when it doesn't mean anything. This is the gift that will live with you on and on and on and on. And I know I don't want to get too far into the punchline, but it's even going to make it past this life when you draw your last breath and your body gives way to time or illness. This gift is going to continue to move forward. And I'm going to give that to you. And he wanted to mobilize this emotion. And so if, if, if you're here today and you think this is just about religion, it's not. You hear us talk all of the, the time about religion versus relationship. Religion has its place. Religion produced some great songs. Religion gave away a lot of Bibles. Religion built a lot of buildings. Religion does a lot of things that we care about. And it houses traditions. And then it houses memories because of those traditions. It it, it can do a lot of great things. But when it comes right down to it, when we are with the Savior of the world someday, we're not going to be asked about any of that. It's that big statement about, I knew you. I knew you. So God mobilizes his love in this. For God so loved the world that he gave. And here's here's the big one. His son. His son. And you could pause right there and preach for days on this. What does it really mean that we... Got a Savior. There's so many popular but unpopular teachings going on right now. And it's scary because it's changing the face and the value of the local church. But one of those is this. I was not born a sinner. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big teaching out there right now. Why do I need Jesus? I wasn't born into sin. I wasn't born a sinner. I wasn't born a bad person. And so why, why do I need to be saved? And then that teaching goes on and becomes more inward and more inward and more inward until you've got it down that Jesus and the salvation story is about the size of a BB just sitting in your hand. And you can control it and you can pick it up and you can drop it down and you can put it in your pocket. And suddenly the greatest story ever told is somehow condensed into something that is manageable by every person on the planet. And it's exactly the opposite of that. It's the ever-expanding story, a, a, a story of love that we can't possibly fathom. But again, back to this this culture. So John is saying, I've got some good news. And the angels announce it as peace. There's going to be peace come. And I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? Don't be distracted because I don't have formulated notes this morning. How many of us in this room right now need a dose of peace? Peace over your family or peace over your children or peace over a circumstance. And it goes on to say that Jesus will be called the Prince of Peace. Now, when you break this word uh, prince down, it really means a, a general. And, and if you break down peace, it goes into all kinds of synonyms. But one of them that is at the bottom is tranquility. 
And so really, this Prince of Peace becomes the general of tranquility. I like that. He becomes the commanding officer of rest. The CEO of Shalom. How many of you need some Shalom in the home? Amen? Some of y'all fought on the way to church this morning. You needed some Shalom in the Honda, right? Prince of Peace. And so John is saying, listen, there's going to be this son that's coming. And God so loved it that he gave him. And he's going to bring peace in a culture that is completely disheveled, that lacks identity, that the answer is violence on everything. Angry, judgmental, guilt, spilling culture. There's going to be a blanket of peace. And man, that's, that's my prayer over our church this morning. That the Prince of Peace invades every single thing about your life. Invades your marriage, invades your career, invades your finances, invades your thought life, invades your emotional construct. For some of you, you feel like, man, your mind is just this place that is just in constant turmoil and thinking and nonstop worry and the fretting, and you don't even know why. Prince of Peace, General of Tranquility, CEO of Rest has come. And God so loved the world that he gave his son. Let me inject a small story in this. I was reminded again this week. There was a lady who had a car wreck on a major bridge in a major city. And so the car had, uh, had, had gone off the side partially. It was just like, like a movie. It was like hanging on by the rear axle. And she's in it by herself. There's no kids. There's no spouses. Just her. And some people are stopping, slamming on their brakes, and they're grabbing the bumper, and some men are grabbing, are grabbing ropes and cables and, and all, anything that they've got in their vehicles and just trying to wrap it around, and they're pulling, and they're, they're holding together, and they've called for the fire department and the police, and they, they all show up. And as she dangles over the edge, what would ultimately mean her death, these people are... Tow trucks are coming in and cabling and, and, and holding it all and just trying to keep it together. And she is yelling this phrase over and over and over again as they are holding on and have all kinds of just stuff just weaved all across her car to just try to keep it down on, on, on the bridge. And one person begins to say, what is she saying? And they can hear her yelling. Now, this was from her shock, but she's yelling, I can do this myself. How many of y'all married to that woman, right? How many of you married? Yeah, not a one of y'all put your hand up. Yeah, you smart. It's very wise. I can do it myself. Man, when I read that, I, the preacher in me just goes off because I see so many ways I can use that. Here we are in our life dangling off a bridge in the mess that we've made ourselves, right? We've made 
choices and done things and chased after our flesh and we've wanted things that we didn't need and we've got ourselves in maybe some traps or maybe you're that person who's always been smart but you weren't so wise in that one thing and, and you're just like, I can do this myself, just back off, get away from me. And this is the way the culture has shifted in the past couple of years is to get by yourself, reject everything else and say, I can do this, just stay out of my business. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God sent his son to rescue me and my life, hanging off a bridge of my own choices. That he decided to love the world, that he decided to express that love in the form of the ultimate gift. And here's the best part, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, the King James says, the NIV dropped, dropped the so, so it says, whoever. Aren't you thankful that you're a whoever? I'm a whoever. You're a whoever. And the part that stands out to me is this. You have an option. I have an option to receive this amazing gift. And what a better time to either receive it or recalibrate your view of this gift this week right now, in this moment together, whoever believes. This is the part that gets me the most riled up, and I'm going to be really careful because there's no reason to offend people five days before Christmas. <laughs> whoever believes. I want us to say that together. Whoever believes. Let's say it again. Whoever believes. Do you know how complicated we've made this? Do you know how complicated religion has made this? We have made it so complicated to come to Christ, to receive a gift. You know, when you hand a child a gift, this is one of my favorite things about Riley when she was a kid. You just put it in front of them. They know what to do. Right? You ever seen, seen your kid? They know what to do. They get one little tear and it's in them. Their brain goes, I got it. I tear all that off and I'm going to get something underneath there. And then when they realize it's for them, woo, stand back. Because even your gifts are not protected at that point. When you're presented, it's like this innate thing in us. When we are presented with, with a gift, we know what to do with it. Receive it. But we have made the ultimate gift turn into this thing that in some ways is ugly. And here's where I want to be careful. But in some ways, many have said, listen, you can come to Christ, but you got to pray this prayer, and the prayer's got to say certain things. And until you pray the prayer, and if it's not the prayer that says certain things, then you're not really in. You know what I mean? Like, you've heard, and you got it here, but until you pray the prayer, and it's the certain prayer... It's the one that was written like a hundred years ago. I don't know what they did before that. I guess all those people are going to hell. I don't know what happened, but we've got it figured out like since the 1850s. 
All those people are going to heaven for sure because we prayed the sinner's prayer. Some of you are like, where, where is he going with this exactly? For some, it was to take a class. And I've, I've, I've seen this. You got to take a class. You got to shake a hand. You got to join a church. You got you to do things. And this is why, and I want you to hear, hear, hear my heart on this. This is the only reason I do not preach baptism as the point of salvation. Because it has to be something that he finished. If I have to take his gift and then go do something to finish it, then I'm the finisher. Is it important? Yeah. Should we do it? Yeah. But when I believe is when my life is changed forever. When I take that gift and I hold it in my heart and I receive it and I'm like, oh man, there is something going on. You know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to follow him. And that includes baptism or communion or coming and gathering corporately. But my heart was right and my life was right. And I fell into the greatness of his gift at the point of whosoever believed in him. He, he goes on, he says, if you believe in him, you're not going to perish. If you believe in, in him, then peace is coming to your house. If you believe in him, this is not the end for you because it's going to come in everlasting life. Whosoever believeth on him shall have, it says. Okay, now I got a minute left, so let, let, me, let, me, let me do this. This right here, how, how many of y'all are pen snobs? Anybody here, you're, a, you're like a pen snob? Yeah, I'm too. We should start a life group. Okay, it'll be great. We'll each bring a pen every Sunday, exchange them, and then we'll talk about the goodness of the Lord. Okay, it's kind of nerdy. This is my favorite pen right now. It's the Sharpie S Joe 1.0 retractable. Isn't that a beautiful sound? The OCD in me loves that. Before that, this pen reminds me of the Zebrola 2000. I remember that. Sounds like an engine part, but it was a pen. I can tell you about how much I love this pen, use this pen, but let me ask you something. Do you really have it? You, you don't. I can talk to you about it. I can show it to you. I, I can explain it. I can talk about the color and the chrome piece in the front and the rubber grip and, and, and the steadiness of the click. It's just amazing. But you don't have it. But once I put it in your hand, and I tell you it's yours, the experience completely changes, okay? To put that into something Christmassy, my grandmother, who's not with us anymore, y'all, she made the meanest German chocolate cake. She would do triple layers be a triple layered German chocolate cake. And there was either rum in that thing or cocaine. I don't know which one, but it, <laughs> you could not have just one piece. Like it, it, you had to go back. It was just something in it. In the, it would draw you back in. I'm going to get emails because I said that word, cocaine. <laughs> 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 Stop my 
My dad introduced me to my grandmother's German chocolate cake. And he told me about it. He's like, oh, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And to me, it, it was nothing until it got onto the taste buds. And it changed from being a story to being something that to me was absolutely amazing. And this is why the world has poked fun or thrown rocks or said, y'all are silly or they've said only weak people need Christianity because you've never had the cake in your mouth. You've only seen it or heard about it. But you really never believed and let the story become something that changed your whole soul. And that's my encouragement to you this Christmas week is to realize the importance of why this was even being said that God, who loved the world, gave his only son that whoever you and I believed in him, not took a class, not shook a hand, not did something to put the exclamation point on it. No, we just believed it. We have something very special. Eternal life. All the good things. Everything's going to turn out good for you. It's going to work. You're going to win. Peace is going to be yours. We're going to see each other again. There's a hope for the people of God who believe that the story is more than a bunch of words but they actually have it hidden in their heart. It makes a difference. So what I ask you to do is revisit today. And if you're here for the first time in a long time, where are you at with this? Where are you at? And maybe you're here and you're westernized, I mean, up to your eyebrows. It's your only worldview. It's the only thing you're, you look at and think about and the world's perspective and the big picture is just something that's foggy to you. Maybe you've gotten lax. Maybe you don't chase after this relationship the way you used to. Man, this is a great week to get a check on that. God, I want all of it. I want the gift. And I want it in my life today. Amen. I'm going to serve communion in just a moment. Guys, if you'll come up and go ahead and get, get ready, and I'm like, I'll give instructions in just a minute, but I want you to bow your heads with me really quick this morning. And you just say, Kevin, I'm here today. And I've not been following Jesus, but I want to. I've let this fall into a category of a story. But I believe. raise your hand today and let me pray over you. Say, Kevin, that's me. Yeah, thank you, sir. Anybody else? Amen. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah, all across the room. I see you. Man. Father God, his hands are raised this morning. Would you go to them right now and minister to them, Lord? 
God, we just fill our heart with belief, with faith. God, the gospel is good news. You did not send your son here to condemn the world, but that it would just be saved. God, we just sit in your presence for just a moment. Lord, to hear what you would say to us individually. We take a look at our heart, at our belief. But Lord, we're thankful for the gift of the Savior of the world. We're thankful for the Savior of the world today. God, turn hearts around. Change lives today. Rescue the soul of man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand